Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fund Calibre. I'm Darius McDermott and today we're joined by Jonathan Platt, who's Head of Fixed Income, but more importantly, Manager of the Elite-rated Royal London Corporate Bond Fund. Hi, Jonathan. Darius. Um, let's get straight into the asset classes. With so much of the world's global government bonds on negative rates, what should attract our um, listeners to fixed income today? It's a good question. Um, I'm, my first comment would be I'm surprised at the level of global government bond yields, uh, particularly in, uh, in core Europe. I think generally core uh, government bond yields reflect a degree of pessimism that we don't share. But your question was, where are the opportunities? Um, so I don't think they're in government bonds. Uh, I think they are in credit. And you have to be choosy within credit because the components that make up a credit return are two component parts. There is the credit spread and there's the government bond yield. And if I think government bond yields are unattractive, that part that is the credit spread has to be really good to offset that. And is that the case at the moment? You are still able to find opportunities where the credit spread minus that government spread which you've mentioned, that's still, there's still enough out there for you? I think in, in a lot of mainstream investment-grade credit, there isn't enough compensation given where government bond yields are. So you have to look more widely. And I think that's where uh, my experience as, as manager of the, the, the corporate bond fund, as you talked about, you have to look more widely. That may be in sub-investment-grade bonds. That may be in bonds that don't have a credit rating. It may be bonds that aren't in a credit index. It may be bonds that are out of favour in a credit index, but you need to get that compensation. And I think one thing that's um, talked about at the moment is, are triple B bonds, for example, really risky? Not if you get paid sufficient compensation. So uh, it's about getting paid for taking that risk, and you have to go into the overlooked areas of the market to get that. Now, I first met you at least 15 years ago, and it probably is. Um, And one of the things which I learned the first time we met was about something called an unrated bond. You opened my eyes to this part of the market for which you're now quite well known. Would you give a um, a summary of what an unrated bond is to our listeners and and how they've been so successful uh, in the performance of your funds over the long term? Perhaps I'll answer that in in a slightly different way, just look at what a credit rating is and how a, a company or more particularly a bond is actually credit rated. A, a credit rating tells you about the probability of a coupon, the interest payment, or the money, the principal you get back, being paid on time, which is a, sounds like a good assessment of, of, of risk. If I'm a company, let's say I'm Marks and & Spencers, and I want to issue a medium-term debt, 10-year bond, I'll go to S&P, or Moody's, or Fitch. They're the three big ratings agencies. And and basically pay them, the company will pay them to get an assessment of their credit worthiness on that basis of the probability of of the cash flow being paid on time. So that's the, in in a nutshell. Now, an unrated bond is basically very simply a bond that hasn't gone through that process. Doesn't mean that it's speculative, it doesn't mean it's sub-investment grade or junk. It just hasn't gone through that that process. It doesn't make it an intrinsically bad bond. Now, the cynic may be saying, well, if they haven't gone through that process, what are they trying to hide? So, you know, we have to deal with that. But there are a lot of bonds out there 
that instead of offering a credit rating to you as an investor, we'll offer you something else. And what that something else is, is security. Most of the time, companies that issue bonds issue them as unsecured bonds. So you're just one of many unsecured creditors if the company fails. So they're actually giving you some form of protection or some form of asset to back the fact that you're lending them money. On a bond that doesn't have a credit rating. On a bond that doesn't have that That's a trade-off. And so this is interesting how the market is changing. Um, You talked about how long we've been known each other. I've been doing this for for 30 years. And um, when I started, my, my, my boss was saying, what we need to do is lend on a secure basis not on a basis of a credit rating that can change over a period of time. Now that's been completely changed over the last 30 years, where now the focus is on credit rating as your prime determinant of risk, not the covenants and the underlying security of the bond that goes with it. It's a massive change and what it's allowed us to do is focus on parts of the market where those bonds that are unrated but offer security get overlooked. So you're in this situation where a bond that is more secure actually pays you a high yield. And has some protection. Yeah. And so it's great, it's a great, and you asked the question, Darius, about um, what contribution has it made to, to, to funds? Well, if you look at our, the fund that I run, um, it's about 8% of the portfolio is an unrated bond. So 92% is in, in, in rated, so we have to acknowledge that. But they punched harder, they, they've contributed more. So they could have pro- con- contributed uh, 15, 20, 25% of the alpha, the, the outperformance the excess return that we produce. Now, we can't be with a fixed income manager, certainly one of your uh, learned experience, without talking about rates. And rather than picking on the next rate hike or the next rate cut, can you see normalised interest rates in the UK? And by normalised, I'm talking, what, north of three? Um, is that something that's in the tunnel or or not? No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, if, it's, if it's confession time, um, I didn't see government bond yields going as low as they have been done. Uh, I think it's, if you take a step back and say, look, the UK has a tremendous level of employment now. We've got 30 million people employed. Uh, wage growth is at 3.5%. Um, the economy is flatlining, but um, we could be looking at growth of 1, 1.25% on a 12 month period. It seems strange to me that we're talking about a period of, 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 of interest rate cuts. Yeah, it's not quite the usual match of that no, level of employment with these ultra-low yeah. rates. So why are, are we here? I think it's basically because, well, I'd make two observations. Central banks are worried that what impact another recession, or the next recession, should I say, will have on the financial system. Has the financial system fully healed? Is the level of indebtedness that we see still so high that actually a, a relative a slowdown or a recession will create an economic turmoil? So they, they are worried about that. But I also think that central bankers probably have been taken hostage by markets. I think they're paying too much attention to, to equity markets. And you can see that. And, and perhaps also a politicisation of central markets here, where President Trump is making much more comments now on uh, monetary policy, the attitude of, of, of uh, the Federal Reserve to, to interest rate changes. He's putting a lot of pressure on there. And that, that ultimately, I think, is a bad thing for, for us as investors because the independence of central banks has been one of the key 
the key drivers of the stability that we've we've seen over 30 or 40 years. Yeah, I think the, the relationship with central banks and politicians may be um, one for another version of investing <laughs> on the guys' podcast. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, and maybe this leads me nicely to, to, to the next question, which is we are going to have change at our central bank um, yeah. at, um, at the turn of the year with Mark Carney leaving his role. Would you like to be his replacement? And if so, what might you do a little differently? Oh well, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't venture into that area. That's that, that's for certain. I'll stick to asset management. Thank you very much. Um, however, there is some interesting points uh, here. I do. I do think that um, central bankers have fallen into a, a, a similar mindset. I think you need to take a step back and say, what is it that you're you're, you're trying to achieve here? Because. Uh, low interest rates, the potential for more quantitative easing. Um, it's not really addressing the, 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 the underlying problem. We've got a lot of debt. So at some point, economists will go ahead into recession. Um, and I think we've just got to acknowledge that. I think central bankers have been, in, in talk about the Bank of England, have been too slight. They should have put up rates earlier to give themselves more ammunition if they need to cut. To cut when not when things... Because the only thing they're going to be able to resort to, they can take rates down to zero, but going from 75 to zero, is it going to... 75 basis points to zero, it's going to make a big difference. You're going to have to have more QE. Already own 40% thereof of the, of the, of the gilt market. It, it's, it creates those financial bubbles. Um, you get onto all sorts of other issues about inequality and how um, QE has basically saved save the wealthy and not done much for the real economic growth in, in, in the UK. So I wouldn't venture in that area, but I would, I would think that my uh, advice, if that's not too strong a word, to, the, to, to, uh, uh, to the, the next governor, to the next governor would be, well, think, think of it differently and also think, can you take better advantage? And this is more of a government policy than, a, than a, the Bank of England. Can you take better advantage of these phenomenally low interest rates? No, no, no government in history in the UK has had the ability to issue long-term debt at these levels of interest rates. If a government cannot earn a better return over a 100-year period than 1.5%, they're not doing their job. You should be thinking differently now. Well, listen, I think that's a really interesting uh, discussion on the current positioning with rates and 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 credit and hopefully highlighting a few of the things that, that I know you've done um, with your team at Royal London for a long period of time um, which remains only for me to say to Jonathan Platt thank you very much for your time and your views I'm Darius McDermott and if you'd like more information on the Investing on the Go podcast please subscribe to Fund Calibre please remember we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you it is not a recommendation to buy or sell The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at the time of listening.